to when he gets to go outside. He loves doing it. Just yeah. crass and pukes. <laughs> Adam, how are you? I uh, I continue to live the dream. What about you guys? Yeah, as yeah. always. Yep. Uh, we are episode 217, um, <laughs> and it's even more apt now, uh, knowing that your your girlfriend went to the Taylor Swift concert that I've given it a Tis the Dumb End of Season recap uh, tribute. Um, so let's uh, let's get straight down to it, people. Um, we are here for the next however long, uh, recapping the best season in our entire history. Um, so there are worse places to be. <laughs> uh, for the next hour or so. Um, I suppose let's start off with uh, just some thoughts and feelings on the season as a whole. Um, and really, you know, what were your... I want to go through the statistics, of course, and it's kind of ordered in that way, but I'd rather go through some of the, the easier bits first. So let's talk uh, favourite game and worst game first. Um because I think they're a better starting off point uh, than anything else. So we'll start with you, Adam. Um, your favourite game of the season this year, um, what what wins that that award for you? It's probably got to be the Chelsea one, isn't it? I feel, I feel like it's got to be Chelsea. Um, just just for the sheer audacity of it, the this, this situation, what was going on, uh, all the, the the recent history around it and the fact that it was at home and it was essentially just a, an embarrassment for them. Um, after everything that occurred, that felt like the result where you're just like, all right, screw you in a very, very big way. Enjoy your time. Uh, I don't know. If I, I'm trying to think whether... There's a couple of other contenders, but for me, that's the one that just stands in my memory, to be honest with you. Craig? Yeah, that was that was the first one that sprung to mind. It kind of felt like the start of the new era, really, after sort of not being able to get a win for five or six. That was sort of a coming of age there with, with the Serbi. Uh, I'd say the, the Arsenal game, I think just from sheer recency bias and just what it <laughs> what it meant to the league and, and having an impact on essentially what happened there. And it was just a an immaculate performance and, and very easy on the eye too. So it would have been Chelsea and then the Arsenal away for me. Um, I can't think of really a, a third at this point, but um, what about yourself, Josh? Uh, yeah, we're all in a unanimous decision here. Uh, and Chelsea <laughs> is mine as well. Uh, you know what's uh, funny? It was the easiest one. It was the easiest award of the entire year for me, mm-hmm. honestly. Like I've go on, Adam, what's funny? No one's even mentioned we smashed Wolves six <laughs> nil. Like, that's how, that's how good the season is. You're like, nah, don't worry about the six nil Wolves. That's like fourth or fifth in the list. Unbelievable. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I think for me, it it was the symbolic piece as well. Like you both said, like the the end of an era, the beginning of a new one. Um, plus the the beginning of his downturn at Chelsea too. Right, he not lost a game until he came to the Amex, um, and we all know how. How, how that continued from there, um, what that trajectory looked like. But for me, more than anything, what stands out is how special the Amex sounded and looked that day as well. I've never, ever seen the Amex, that, the atmosphere like that in any way, shape or form, uh, other than 25 to 30 minutes at the Sheffield Wednesday playoff semi-final. Um, 
but this was for 90 minutes and it was something that you don't ever see from the Albion fans en masse and that was sheer hostility you've probably not seen something like that right since like 97 like (laughs) where people were trying to kill the owner uh and like it was it was really quite like unbelievable and I think it was also very cathartic for a lot of people as well yeah I I don't know really what else to say about that. Like that, that game was just, that's a special one that will stick in the memory. Uh, it, it wasn't just a normal 4-1 victory by any means. In fact, the scoreline is semi-irrelevant. Um, it, it was it was the pure fact that it was just like, you come back here and we're going to give you a little give you a little spanking. Now, off you, off you go. Let's move on to worst games um, because for Wolves fans, the 6-0 drubbing may well be one of their ones they highlight. <laughs> because it was that bad. Uh, however, um, Craig, we'll start with you. Uh, the worst game you've had to endure as an Albion fan um, this year. And to be clear, this is pretty much going to be about the only negative thing we talk about all podcasts. It's been that good. But we will spend 45 minutes on it. So. <laughs> well, actually, no, we are, of course, going to cover the the inevitable double pivot leaving, which is going to be a depressing 15 minutes, I'm sure, about McAllister and Caicedo. But yeah. in terms of season trajectory, I think this is about the only bad thing we have to talk about, which is just so nice. But Craig, what do you got? Uh, I don't know if my mic's... Yeah, disaster. Disaster yeah, mic disaster situation. Class. Yeah, five I, in. I don't mind stepping in. I'll, I'll go then because I can sort of cheat then. Um... <laughs> well, I've got. I've also. I'm cheating. This oh can you hear me now? Yeah, it's all busted. Yeah. It's, it's got Stop. some weird echo. Do you want to go? Give it a go. Give it a try. I don't want us to take your your glory here. It is. Oh, oh, I'm gonna. I'm just going. All right, here we go. So my okay. my. Th- I've got three. I've got three here. Everton, obviously, as Mikey's mentioned in the chat, Everton was a, an absolute disgrace. Just a disgrace. But. There's a couple of other nominees for me. That Spurs game left probably the worst taste in my mouth all season just because of how it was done. That that, that 2-1 loss because it just felt like it was stolen from us. Just when we were in a period where we were unbeaten since that Fulham game, uh, which was February 18th, and that Spurs game was April 8th, and it was just just stolen from us. Honourable mention as well, and Mike has just said this as I'm about to say it. Don't forget about Cholton. That was not fun. Like that was that was one where you're just like, how we could have a little run here. Let's have a little go at this. And you should not be losing. You should not be losing to Cholton on penalties. But yeah, I think Everton just for where we're at in the season, that momentum that we had after Wolves and Man U. You know, okay, let's push Europe, Europe, Europe. Let's do it. Eventually, obviously, it came out in the wash, but. 5-1, you would have predicted the other way around on that scoreline at the time when playing Everton. So that was hor- horrid. Let's do take two. Craig, what have we got? Yeah, am I all right now? Um, I think so, yeah. It was, yeah, it was obviously the Everton one. I think the Nottingham Forest one away as well sort of sticks as a, a sore point. I think we, we went there fully expecting a decent result and to kick on from there. Ultimately, hindsight's a wonderful thing and, and we, we got there in the end but I think that that forest loss definitely felt pretty crap at the time like being able to just not get anything from that game was was pretty bad um but again yeah 2020 is fantastic 
Forest went on the run after that. We also went on the run after that. Um, but yeah, those those two stick in the memory. Charlton's a great honourable mention as well. Um, just the, the way we went out was just shocking. Yeah, I had Everton as my top of the list as well because mm-hmm. it was followed by Forest uh, because both times it was like just teased, wasn't it? Like this is going to be like an easy one. We should take care of business moving towards Europe. And both times we got absolutely victimised. Um, but the Spurs one, I think you're right. Like I think in Premier League memory, that is up there with the full-time but not really full-time penalty levels of feeling annoyed with a football game. Um, Arctic temper in the chat, uh, the Palace draw and what probably spelt the end of Sanchez, um, letting the ball drop uh, for an easy equaliser. And yeah, Charlton was rough uh, as well. Um, David in the chat, Fulham at home was the worst he saw as well, which was also... Yeah, that was annoying, wasn't it? Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I'm looking through the results here. And, of course, it's easy. The ones that make you feel aggrieved are the ones that really, like, have that visceral reaction. But the fact that we've just, like, not brought up so many, like, like the, the cup game against Arsenal, the 3-1 win there, the game itself, that first half against Man City, we, we brought up Wolves. But remember Liverpool? Uh, when, what, when would we win that one? That was, like, what? We beat them in the cup. I mean, we beat did three nil in the treble over it. No, did the got seven the equivalent of seven points really? Didn't we, we beat them twice and then drew them? Uh, the, by the other, the other one, remember the West Ham game? They were the worst side. We that was the most definitive victory all season. That four nil at home. They, they looked like they just forgot what football was. Like we demolished them. Like all I, I, the point is, we said that some of these bad ones for me, like all the other ones, <laughs> just like. It was a lot of demolition jobs. There it was a lot of just absolute football clinics put on, and and the good like I know it's silly saying this because of where we finished, but I mean for the two percent frustration you had this season, you had ninety eight percent of just like unbelievable performances. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, goal of the season, uh, as Mikey said, don't think we need to discuss that too much. Uh, match of the day, the Premier League and the Athletic and the club have basically all figured that out for us uh, with the NC so rocket um against manchester city uh i suspect there are some people out there that would have preferred his first one against chelsea because of again the, the team that we were playing against um and there was a fair few other beauties out there mitoma's goal against liverpool in the fa cup was unbelievable as well um the the touch to take it back was just filthy um but I, I mean, I have no complaints against that goal of the season choice. How do you, do you agree with that? We can just move on from that award pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Gross, Gross's second goal against Wolves as well was incredible. I don't think it kind of doesn't get the appreciation just because there was six goals in that game. But you, <laughs> you score that in any tight game and that, that's winning some awards too. I don't even remember that uh, NC Sego. What was it? Yeah, uh, obviously the clear, clear goal of the season. I, I would say though, like you could, you could make a loose, weakish argument that Pascal Gross's goal against Southampton that really sealed the deal um, at the end of the season there for European football um, carried, you know, more of a weight. That was that was the goal where you just went, oh my god, we're actually going to do this, and no, obviously nowhere near as good as the NCSO finish, but like. For what it means to the club, that was that was a big one. I can't remember when he did this as well, but 
there was Welbeck scored a goal. I can't remember who it was against, but the one we flicked it over the defender uh, and it went up and round and then he slotted home. That was an incredible goal. I can't remember who it was. That was that was the Liverpool. Third was goal, it Liverpool? Wasn't? Yeah, that sounds right. That was uh, disgusting as well. You're right. Um, <laughs> that was an unbelievable goal. We're probably yeah. What was that? 81st minute. Amazing goal. And Solly, what was the Solly one as well, where he like went round and finished perfectly in the corner? My memory so that. Southampton away. How, you've got this, like, you yeah. just know. I don't, I can't do that. He's got a Rolodex in his brain. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. He's got a highlight reel. I'm just ram, I'm just like, oh, this goal. Eight screens in front like, of me. The 45th minute against Sunset. <laughs> his brain is just a TikTok of goals. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right, we're going to get to player of the season, but I'd like to go through all of the stats that we've picked out that we like the look of first, because I think that gives us a better idea of all of the performances we've looked at. Um, because I think for me, and I'm not going to try and speak for all of us, but I think the consensus online has been that this is probably the hardest player of the season vote that a lot of people have had to undergo. Um, so we'll go through all of the big stats first before we get to that decision. Um, but I did want to cover uh, the winner of the Together BHA League Fantasy Premier League. Um, last year, I cannot remember who we had, but they put in like an unbelievable performance. They were like in like the top like 5,000 in the entire game, like unbelievable. Uh, this year, Max Wood uh, finished on 2,660 points. Not one to be outdone. He finished 948th in the whole competition of all of fantasy football. There are, for clarity, 11,447,257 players playing in fantasy Premier League. Take away 50% of them as non-active, right, after like a week or like burner accounts. So like there's probably about 5 million active players. And this guy finished 948th in the whole competition. And... As the absolute cherry on top, finished the finale week with a 69-point total. Oh, can we ban him? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. Yeah, I I think I don't know how many digits my finish was in the in the league this year, but it was not it was not good. Um, But you could probably classify it as one of the. You could mistake it for an inactive account, and it wasn't inactive. but yeah, congrats. But let's let's ban him. Could you where did you where did you finish? You you were like you were a bit were you forty something? Yeah, I was forty third. Um, I had a rough middle of the year uh, and then ended up finishing quite well, but not great. Uh, Craig uh, finished fifty fourth, um, so not too bad either. Like he was fifty points off of myself. So like in that area, it's all quite close, isn't it? Um, and then you finished 76. So, nah, yeah, it feels wrong. That feels nowhere wrong, near right? as bad as yeah. it could be. Yeah. Uh, you finished 76 out of 126. Um, and at the bottom of the pile, there are some people who are absolutely inactive accounts. <laughs> well, this is, I want to recount of this. I'm not happy with it. <laughs> All right, Donald, uh, we're going to move on. <laughs> uh so so let's cover um some of the statistics uh and let's start with the with the easy low-hanging fruit uh top goal scorer of the season alexis McAllister. penalty of course penalty king as well also helps uh and top assist of pascal gross uh, which is absolutely nuts um but the goal scorers this year were absolutely insane i think we had more goal scorers than ever before over five goals um, and 
truly is the Deserby effect, isn't it? Um, because everybody was getting involved uh, in this one. Um, and I think it probably just bodes well for the future and, and future seasons under Deserby, doesn't it? Everyone can back. I'm surprised Steel isn't on there, honestly. Yeah, I, I, was, I was just looking at it as well. Yeah, I've not seen a season like it, have we really? Um, but yeah, that's the, the fluidity of what we play. I think everyone everyone gets the chip in. It's great. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just I, I don't. I, it's hard to really. Uh, I don't know. Think about how this the the change that we've gone from. Where it felt like we had about two people score goals last season, and it like even though we had a great finish, like it felt like such a struggle. And now it's just so many individual players contributing goals to the team. It's just the, the ability that deserve be had to come in with a world cup in between all this crap as well, and just turn around the ethos of the team from a possession based, slow clinical create a chance score to gung ho, like wait for a moment, then interchange of passing and just slam the ball in the back of the net. It doesn't matter who it is, is nothing short of remarkable. And the fact that, you know, he wasn't unanimously voted manager of the season is a disgrace. I know we're very biased, but like Pep, yeah, wonderful, mate. You did it. Congrats. I'm like, obviously like it was good. And this, you could say the same, same with Eddie Howe at Newcastle. So how much of these idiots spent between them? This Deserby's come in and has spent nothing. I come in late in the hardest possible position when the team's been gutted and taken this group to, to its historic ever finish, you don't give him the award and you give it to bloody the bald fraud for like spending some oil money. Come it on. felt like they've backed the idea that he's going to win the treble and given it to him because history will look at them poorly if he does and they don't give it to him. That's how it feels. Like. It feels like a total cop out. Um, but you're right uh, in terms of what he achieved for us. So with thanks to Arby Analytics for this, I've robbed half of this stuff off of you and then got some other stuff off FB Ref. So uh, first, uh, under Deserby, um, we are breaking all sorts of records in stats-wise. So uh, we are first in the Premier League for shots at 531 under Deserby. Uh, shots on target, a nice round 200. Uh, we are second in the league for possession, obviously just underneath Manchester City. We are second in the league for pass accuracy, just underneath Manchester City. Uh, I would suspect that that pass accuracy might well go to top of the table, by the way, uh, with a full season under Deserby, uh, because that is what he was famous for at Sassuolo, where he would be like, had like 4% higher pass accuracy as a team above Juve and Milan and stuff. So I feel like you'll probably see that jump up. Uh, we were third in the league for big chances, 99 created. <laughs> uh, we were fourth for high level of turnovers, um, touches in opposition box. Uh, we had 72 goals, which is a record breaking year. Obviously, our previous was 42. Um, our XG was 75 compared to a best of 54.1. Remember, we were like a meme around the entirety of Europe with 54.1. People were talking about that as if we should be like, great. We, we had a 75 XG this time. Uh, big chances. We almost doubled them. Uh, shot accuracy went up by 7%. Uh, conversion rate went up by 3%, which is when you consider goal scored. Like, that's mental, really. Um, and, yeah, the, the one thing I did like seeing, there was a stat. I think it was The Athletic posted it, um, is 
we also had four players or three players in the top 10 of players that have passed successfully under pressure, um, which just goes to show that Deserbi is borderline genius in the way he can convert these players into what he has in the time he's done already. Um, it's mental. Like It shouldn't be possible, no matter who you're taking over, to have your players adopt your system not only mentally, but with those stats to back it up in that amount of time. Insanity. Like, it's just mad. Like, every single one of those is basically, like, the best we've ever been in our entire life history. And that's, and, and that's the thing is that we're not just – you're not incrementally building on those stats, right? This is just blown out of the water this year. And I think you're right. Just for someone to come in – like he hasn't had an input on that team. He hasn't built that team. He's got the best out of what he's been dealt. And that's the most impressive part. And that's why we everyone's singing his praises, right? Is that they weren't his players to begin with. And now he's gonna have a full sort of preseason to do so. You know, we'll we'll see even more, which is scary, but not for us. So it, it's just a yeah, it's crazy. Like I like I said, it's you're not building on those stats, you're blowing them out of the water and statistically becoming one of the best teams in the Premier League. Is um can you think of a more drastic shift from mentality between Chris Hewton's Brighton <laughs> and Deserby's Brighton? Because it, it feels like the immovable object versus the unstoppable force. And it's just it's just funny that it doesn't feel that long ago to watching a side that essentially did its best not to score. Um, and it was all out just like, we just got to just not concede to a side that's like, we are going to be essentially only second to Manchester City, who are a cheat code. Um, and then we don't really care if we can see because we're just going to score more than you. Uh, it's just like, a, uh, how do you like predict that transition? <laughs> it's so weird. It's mental. Like, it really is. Like, yeah, like I mean, I mean, you're looking at like like Craig said, like the transition from Potter to Deserby has been seismic. So like when you look back at those games, like I think Wolves away where we fought tooth and nail for a draw, and I don't think we actually entered their half once to try and survive. And then you look at this team, and there are some players, quite a few players in that squad that were in that Hutton squad. And the level they're at now is just unbelievable. Um, Stephen Mitchell in the chat. I hope you're well, Stephen. Uh, player of the season for him was Kukurea for allowing Brighton to buy Purvis to replace him. Uh, fair. Uh, Steel, best assist to Matoma. Um, yeah, the the assists, there's been some beauties, hasn't there? Um, and when you think of all of the the possession we keep and all the intricate stuff we play, we almost doubled our amount of through balls this year as well under Deserby. Uh, so he is, he says he has a way of playing uh, and a very clear identity and philosophy, but what he shows on the pitch doesn't really reflect that because he's quite happy to just go long and totally rip teams apart, AKA Brentford uh, and have no care in the world for going direct if necessary. Um, I think, you know, I think obviously his his philosophy is very much a mentality more than an actual start, like, you know, 
the physical stuff. But yeah, I mean, he's transformed everything. A um, couple of other stats I like here as well. Uh, most minutes played this season uh, are joint first place. Um, Adam's nodding, so he had this one in the back pocket. Sorry, mate. Do you want to? Do you want to go? Do you want to do this one? Well, Craig, Craig, do you know? Do you have you? Do you know who this is? The two minute leaders. Yeah, I've got it in front of me. Oh, we're, we've all cheated. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the golden yeah, it's old, the, well, sort of the golden old. It's like we it? know what we're doing or something, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> not, to be honest, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Broken clock twice a day and all that. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's uh, it's, it's Duncan and Pascal. Um, at least that's what I've got. <laughs> I have Potato and Dunk. Oh, Don. No, oh, no. Up, mine says gross and dunk. They've got a uh, hundred more minutes than Moises Caicedo. <laughs> On who scored? You're right. FB ref has it different. Oh, that's what I'm right. looking at FB ref. Oh, I'm on who scored and I can see it showing different. Do you know what? We'll just call out all of them. <laughs> that's your top three. It took us giving you less than 20 seconds for Craig to say, look, we know what we're doing to it very clearly. Yeah, yeah. Just shamble yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back up. to normal stuff now. That's perfect. <laughs> normal order. <laughs> um, yeah, Mikey in a chat. It's fair to say Deserbi has changed the mentality of the whole club. That's why we spent a club record 30 million for Pedro and bid another 30 million for Colwell. I'll give you two answers to that, Mikey. One is in agreement with you and one is being contrarian. Uh, one we clearly have changed the mentality to an extent, right? Because we're going out and getting these deals done and we're not afraid to spend the money if it's necessary. Um, we like to dig out these kind of 21-year-old Brazilians from Brazil. Not often that we go to a championship team under this new regime of what Tony's got going on and do it. But we did spend or bid over £40 million on Darwin Nunez at one point. And that was absolutely verified by Naylor himself. So that means the club basically verified that we were willing to spend over £40 million on Darwin Nunez. Um, Would you so, say our transfer policy has evolved since the Darwin bid? I, it's a pun. It's a pun. Just it's fine. doesn't matter. We'll move on. When you no, look at genuinely... I'm glad that didn't go through. Yeah, well, I'm not... Um, I tell you, when you look at Darwin Nunez now and you look at Evan Ferguson... You can see why Evan's doing as well as he is uh, and why we're so happy with him because they're very similar, aren't they, in build and style of play and all that stuff. It's just that Darwin can't finish his dinner. So that always makes it a little bit better. And we didn't pay £40 million for Evan. Uh, what did they end up paying for nice. him? It was like ridiculous, wasn't it? Like 60, 70 or something? It was, yeah, outrageous amount of money. Yeah. Um, I do have one negative stat to share as well. Uh which is just like, it's mean, but I don't really care. Um, so non-penalty XG. So Alexis McAllister led the way with XG by miles. Uh, I think he had like 12. Um, but bear in mind, that was included Penalties. in the pen. Yeah. So if you go to non-pen XG, so take out the pens, just pure XG. Uh, top of that list is Welbeck uh, with 9.4 and only six goals to show for it. Death taxes and Welbeck not being as good of a finisher as he should be. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to organise by my 
my table is I'm trying to get myself a little XG per 90 minutes. 85 million euros, including add-ons for Darwin Nunez. Yeah, so Danny Welbeck underperformed his XG. But at the same time, I think in his defence, uh, he, he only played, what, 1,800 minutes all season. So you compare that to what we're talking about with the, the top uh, minutes, which was like 3,200. So like that's a lot of games Danny doesn't play, which is par for the course. But we also tended to field Danny Welbeck against the, the harder teams for the role he plays, where he comes back a little bit deeper. So I know I'm sort of contradicting the XG stuff and that, but like he he plays a slightly different role as opposed to that sort of out and out poacher now. So that's you know I, I'm I was I will stand for Danny Welbeck if I if I need to. <laughs> All right, here's the big one then. Before we get on to the the rest of it. Um, no, that's not. Do you have any others? Do you have any other stats that you wanted to share before we get to the player of the season decision? Anything else that's piqued your interest that you would like to share with the gang? It's probably, maybe it'll come up in the play, the player of the season nominos. Could do. <sighs> Tease. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else for now. All right. Well, let's do it then. Uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> no pressure. Um, on who wants to go first and play of the season. Uh, All right, I, I don't mind going first because okay. I think I don't think there's a wrong answer here anyway. So the, the pressure's kind of off. Um, I'll go second. So then we'll leave Adam <laughs> with the spotlight. At the Give end. me the scraps. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah. And yeah. yes, if you have the same player, please stay. It's a set. Don't not like the man of the matches that we try and be as diverse as possible. This is yeah. a one-hit wonder. You've got to say you player of the season. My, yeah, mine's going to be Jack Hinshelwood when you've reeled off everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it, we were just talking statistics and stuff like that, and the person at the top of most of them is Pascal Gross for me. Um, I think just obviously we know how good he is, but I feel like the level that he's at now, especially under De Zerbi, is just next level. I don't know why he's not in the Germany squad. I think people are starting to ask the same as well. Um, but you got, what, nine goals from midfield, eight assists as well. Like, he's completely off penalties as well. So there's there's no penalty kicks in there either. Um, and just does a job wherever he's asked to do, whether it's defensive mid, whether it's left back, right back, wherever you want to put him. Um, he's still able to dictate and control a game and it's just silly that we've had that player for what since 2017 um and he continues just to get better and better and that's what's probably easily his best season for us um and is getting all the plaudits especially from me so um obviously there isn't a wrong answer there's a lot of other players that you could easily give this to but for me just with the the contributions he's made this year um it, it's gross I'm glad I'm going next uh, because I'm just going to pile on. Uh, <laughs> I did have to think long and hard about it, though. I truly did. Like I had one, two, three, four, five players on my list, six players on my list. I can't remember the last time I've had more than like two on my list. Um, and every single one of them had genuine reasons to be there. But when I looked at it, every single time I tried to like dice it up any which way, emotionally and stats wise like pascal just was there um agreed on the germany squad i know he's 31 i know that argument will be made uh but you cannot say that he could not help that squad even as a squad player 
um, with the experience he's had over the last four years in the Premier League and his time in Germany. Uh, I refuse to believe he could not provide something different in that squad, even if it's just for the starting 11 players that are younger that are playing. Um, yeah, I mean, what a season he had. Nine goals, eight assists, as you say. He played just about everywhere, I think. Um, his like his positions on, on who scored were excellent. Right back, left back, central defensive midfield, central midfield, central attacking midfield, and even as a striker for four games, they were registered in as a striker for four games based on his heat map, which is hilarious. Um, for me, like... To add to that, though, like the simple, the emotional side as well of scoring that goal v Saints, like he was the first ever goal scorer for us in the Premier League, and he was the guy who just shot us into Europe. Like that was just like the Ted Lasso esque story arc of just perfection for me. Like it was just wonderful, um, and I think he probably stands to gain the most of any player in the squad or yet to be purchased by Alexis McAllister leaving. Because I think the impact he's had and Deserby has seen, I think he has every reason to think he could be a huge beneficiary of that. Even if it's just for one year with the Cups and Europe and the Premier League, the guy better continue with his cardio. I know he's mad about it and like his like distance covered is insane every single year, but like he better keep it up because I feel like Deserby is going to be asking a lot of him uh, in this next calendar year. Adam. Uh, well, this was very tough, but I think you have to give it to the guy that on only 4.4 XG scored seven goals, two assists, incredible performances. It's Leandro Trossard. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think it probably is Pascal Gross, but, but I have shat on this player for a humongously long time. And I never thought he was capable of this season. Um, so I'll lob mine over for Solly March. Uh, he was utterly phenomenal for, for, for parts of this season. He had stretches where he was down a little bit. But, I mean, you look at some of the stats here in terms of expected assisted goals. He's second only to, to, to Pascal Gross. Um, he obviously scored what did he end up scoring seven goals on the season his goals and assists were second only to Pascal Gross uh at 14 he played 500 fewer minutes than Pascal Gross uh he was completely revolutionized under Deserbi on that right wing um I have historically seen him as the weakest player in the team uh, and I would have dropped him at any given opportunity for pretty much anyone uh and I felt that way for the past two years uh, I was proven very, very, very wrong this year, um, and he was he was impeccable. We saw things we didn't we didn't think he was able to do. I hope that continues. Uh, and that's uh, yeah, there's some humble pie there. But to be honest, again for us, it was same with Pascal Gross, right? Another player who probably a year and a half ago, horrible performances under Potter that we didn't see, and that guy has, I mean, as you you guys said it best, like everything that you saw, he played in every damn position, and was pretty much the leader in, in all the stats. Um, yeah, but the fact is, you know, we're not talking about Matoma took the lead by storm. Uh, we had youngsters that scored goals of the season and strikers that are being touted as the next big thing for their countries and players that are about to be sold for, you know, north of 100 and 
75 million between them potentially. And we're not even to purpose opinion, probably the best left back, arguably in football at the moment, at least top three to five. And we're not even mentioning them. Like, it's unreal. It really, it really is. Yeah. I mean, you had like, for me, I had McAllister on that list. I had Mitoma on that list. I had uh dunk on dunk. that list. Yeah. Dunk's the other one. Yeah. His like, if you look on some of the like more niche stuff, like he's had more touches than any other player in the Premier League. His progressive yards of carrying the ball are absolutely illegal. Like they're so far ahead of everybody else. Like it's mental. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's absolutely mad. Um, and then, yeah, like Esther Pinion was on there too. I, I was literally just talking to my missus the other day about the player of the season vote. And I said to her. I bet I she loved that. Yeah. She loved it. Absolutely loved <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking at her more. <laughs> yeah. um, but I said to her, like, I think I would have, Solly would have been an absolute shoo if he hadn't got hurt. And I think that's the only reason that he's not there for me, like, is that because he dropped those minutes and I was, and then Pascal took, took the, entire league by the scruff of the neck as well after that I think probably helps recency bias and it same as in CISO's rocket yeah and, and I was in the same position like just thinking about it I was again if, if March had played more minutes this season he was definitely going to be he, he is a candidate already but he would have been much higher on the list for me as well um but yeah there, there's you're talking about the best season in the club's history right it's pretty hard to choose individuals over this team and um, we always say you know <clears throat> it's it's the way the team plays rather than the individuals in it um so it, I, I find it quite difficult but as opinion was also just very high on that i think adam like you said he's he's in everyone's team of the season at the moment um just the job that he does both offensively and defensively is just silly um and yeah especially in the chat as well just being able to sign him for like 15 million pounds in the in the summer is that's that's illegal that's that shouldn't be fair <laughs> yeah no you're not you're not wrong like the value for money there is absolutely mental um all right let's get on to the second segment of the show uh it's had a little revamp um and it gives us a chance to talk about everyone uh and it's good this year because there was a couple of there was I feel like a third of the squad last year, we were like, yep, yeah, move on, shit. <laughs> um, and we offloaded a bunch of them, to be fair. Uh, but this year, um, everybody's just been phenomenal. Um, so we get to talk about pretty much everybody. Um, so we are going to essentially sort the squad uh, into four different buckets. Uh, they're going to be expendables, get rids, wouldn't be sad to see them leave, not interested in seeing them in a Brighton shirt again. Squad players, uh, European depth players, these are the players that you're going to be looking at that are, I'll give you an example of one for me, Sarmiento, been hurt, but he's clearly a great player. He's going to offer a lot. He's going to be a player that we're going to be utilising throughout the season. Um, And then you've got first 11 players. So these are the players you're expecting to start week in, week out, as and when fit and like sensible to start. We're obviously not going to be making them play every single game ever. Uh, And then... Uh, we've got top of the list because Adam insists that everyone can be sold for any amount of money. So we've got rid of the unsellable group uh, and we've moved it to only four. You can only pick four. uh, And that will be our four pillars of our Albion squad, right? So our talismans. Um, These are the players you want to see playing. Even if they're 50% fit, you want to see them in that starting 11 because they provide 
a better spine, whether it's left back, right back or center half or in the middle, like wherever they provide everything you need to see in that starting 11. Uh, you can only have four of them. Um, and I think it would be best if we started there uh, because this one's going to be a big one. So we've got four, four allowances. Um, I say we pick one each with no arguments and then have a fourth option that we all discuss before slotting in. Does that sound fair? Well, here's the, I've got, a, this feels like important distinction. Are we including players that are almost certain to leave? Because there's a couple of them that will go on yes. that list. Yes, there are. We are including everybody that is currently part of this active squad, including anybody who is on loan, AKA Levi Colwell should be part of this list as well. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, I'll, well, I mean, we might as well just say, say Lewis Dunk is the, is the first name on the team sheet, isn't he? Easily. Yeah. Uh, I think S opinions on that list for me as well. I think he has to start. Yeah, I think it's fair. Yeah. Well, hold on. We've, we've, hold on. We've only got four. Yes. Yeah. Well, you've got to have Mac and Caicedo on there and then we've missed out bloody player of the season. <laughs> Two of them and Matoma. There's four's not enough. I'm afraid there's only four allowed. Uh, and we've all got one each. Uh, and I'm going to put Caicedo down there. Uh, our win rate without Caicedo is 23%. Our win rate with him is over 50 Uh There is... This team is a light years better team with my Moises Caicedo in that starting 11 uh, to the same level of Dunk being captain for me. Uh, wasn't so, it the same with Basuma? Yes, it was. We, we oh. tend to really value one specific type of midfielder and that's an incredibly combative box-to-box midfielder yeah. uh, that's technically excellent. So I'm sure there's thousands of those we can just pick up off the street. Yeah, um, yeah, that says an endless <laughs> list of them. In fact, uh, hold on. So, who have we? We've got Dunk. Is is, is opinion yours, Craig? Dunk is opinion or and and Kaiseido. Uh, so we have one more pillar. So we have one more player, and you can. I understand. So there's are there are arguments we made for Matoma uh, and Alexis and whoever else. Uh, three three person player of the season, Pascal Gross. Like, which, so what do we want to do? I'm making I'll make a small case here because there was a good part of the season where Bar Erling Haaland Matoma was probably the best player in the Premier League for like kind of a long period of time and is capable of utterly changing the dynamic of the game and when you kind of phrase it as you want this player to start if they're at 50% fitness I mean he did that and I still wanted him playing uh, you, uh, Matoma has to be on there. I can't believe we don't have Pascal Gross on the list. Uh, in my ideal world, I'm getting rid of Estu Pinion, even though we just called him possibly the best left back in football. But I, I would put Gross in there, and I would then um, I would then have uh, Matoma in there. Did you two get a four list down before we got on here, or are we just winging this? Did Do you want you, me to lie? No, nope. <laughs> absolutely no. I, I did not. <laughs> okay, good. Craig, did you bother doing any kind of homework at all? All right, superb. All right, so I was going to say, if we listed our fours, we'd at least be able to like come to a consensus of who was consistently across them all. Because um, I had Mac and Mitoma in mine. Um, oh, yeah, Mac. <laughs> the World Cup winner that was unbelievable and top scorer. And- He's in a Liverpool shirt for me. I don't want to talk about it. 
Uh, all right, so we've got to pick it. Do you want to go with Mitoma because of that game-changing opportunity? Do you want to go with Gross? Do you want to bite the bullet and go with Alexis? I've no one in the chat's helping us out. I, I, I think <laughs> gun to my head. We well, I don't know why they'd be a gun at our heads, but let's say we're put in charge of the team for for one week only. Um, and I, at first four names on the team sheet, I 100% want Dunk in there. Kaiseido, absolutely. Uh, and Matoma is definitely there for me. Uh, and then the fourth, I think there's absolutely an argument for what Mac, uh, Gross, and then Kaiseido. And I think if push comes to shove, I think it's... I think it's gross for versatility for me. Greg? I think so. Yeah. I. There's only four spaces, and being completely honest, I didn't have Mac in mind, and that was weird for me to say. Obviously, we're talking about a team that is sixth in the Premier League, right? So it's very difficult, but I, I didn't have Mac in my four. Um, I, I really, and I don't think I had Matoma either. I, I'm hearing it loud and clear, but I had Estepinian, Dunk, Caicedo, Gross as my four. I think that we can just put Gross in there then, on the back of the fact that he also won player of the season from all three of us and probably <laughs> as, at least going to finish top three in the real vote. Um, so there's we don't your need four. Mac in there. We don't need Mac in there, given, um, you know, we've got Alexis Milner coming in. Uh, <laughs> they're basically identical players. All right, so let's move on to your first 11 players. These are the players that are ones you would definitely like to see in that starting 11. Um, so I suspect we can be really easy here and at least get Alexis down on this this area of the pitch, yeah? Yeah, he sneaks in. <laughs> just about. Um, just just about. Uh, and I think we can obviously put Mitomer as well on this list. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd hope so. All right, cool. So who else have you got that you really want to be seeing starting every game they're fit as is realistic uh, in the same manner of those sort of players that we're, we're talking about? Here? Solomon March. I was waiting. I wanted you to say it specifically. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe what I've become. I've, I've evolved as a man. Uh, and I'll, I'll do another nomination here. Controversial, perhaps. Levi Colwell, we were a much better team with him playing. Uh, I think he was that important this season. I really do. I, I agree with you. I, there's there's a reason why we, we probably want to do our most to sign him. Um, just that left-footed centre-back alongside Dunk. Like It just feels like the most solid pairing, doesn't it? Yeah, he's on my list as well, uh, definitely. However sad that makes me feel. Because uh, I... <laughs> Because I know he's going to be a short-lived one on that list. Do we have a, um, a limitation for who, how many here? Or who's your next one, Josh? Uh, well, I had Alexis Mitoma, Kaiseido, and Dunk in my key group. Uh, I had Solly. Uh, I had Gross. I had Estepinion and Colwell in there. Um, I had one, two, three more in there. Um, and one of them is Evan Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has to yeah. be one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I know we've waxed lyrical about this kid a lot, but it still blows my mind that we have an 18-year-old that an 18-year-old child that looks the A is a lot bigger than me. <laughs> so if he ever sees me, I hope he doesn't punch me in the face saying that. And B is 
one of the I can't believe I'm saying it about a Brighton player either. But if I was watching him play for Wolves or Newcastle or Arsenal, I would consider him just from watching him on the eye test one of the most natural predators in that position at 18 that I've ever seen. And that's terrifying to know that we have spent five years in the Premier League without finding a really good, prolific goal scorer. Uh, and we've got one on our hands at this young age. To me, is we talked about him going on loan, I think, this time last year. It's clear he's far beyond that and he has to be playing as and when fit. Normally, when you're thinking about 18-year-old predators in Brighton clubs, <laughs> it's normally slightly different context. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I would bet um, my entire future life earnings that one of the other players on your list here is, is Joel Feltman. He's not. Oh my God, I'm bankrupt. He's not. He's not on my list. No. Uh, that's baffled me. That really has. I don't know you at all. Is it hard he's on my he's on my squad list, my squad player list, my European depth list, simply because I think that Duncan Colwell as a back four are better. Then it's got you've got to have one of Steele or Enciso in there. Then I do have Enciso. I do, mm. and I can't believe I'm saying that. Like after all this time, uh, mm. and we're not even getting on to transfers, uh, which we will do shortly. But I suspect. Pedro will have something to say about my choice of putting in CISO in there. You've got um, one more in there. I do. Yeah. I know. I think I know who it is. I think I've guessed it. Great. Do you know who it is? No, no. I don't. I don't want to spoil it. Go on. Is it Jao Pedro? No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's not. As it stands, it's steel. Yeah. Oh, it was steel. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm good. Oh, okay. Half a point for that. <laughs> do you do you two agree with? With Ferguson and Steele being in that list, or do yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. Not have that feeling. It's crazy how <laughs> we're saying that about Steele. Like uh, just the this time last year, you imagine thinking that you're going to choose Jason Steele over Robert Sanchez in your in your first eleven. It's just it's wild. What a wild ride! But yeah, I I have Steele. Uh, I would put Veltman in my first eleven though. I don't know who I would choose at right back over any any other player. Um, so yeah. if, if I was looking at 11 trying to build out an actual squad of 11 players I think Feltman has to be in there my lukewarm take there is uh, we need a better right back because um, uh, yeah. I, 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 yeah it, it's <laughs> uh, Veltman's wonderful but mm, not for the whole season not for the amount of yellow cards he racks up with European football on the go Lamptey can't be relied upon. I know we're going to probably touch on transfers, but um, I don't know if he would be in my 11 either. I think he's like depth. He's the definition of depth. You lob him in at centre-back, you lob him in at right-back. He does an awesome job. He's cheap. He was cheap to buy, but he's when you stack up Estupinian, Colwell, Dunk, there's a big next to him. It's a slight drop-off, isn't it? A little bit with all due respect to him. I think he's the definition of like the best backup quarterback, right? For the US listeners out there, like he's like a San Francisco 49ers quarterback where like you have one immediately go down injured, but you don't feel too worried at all, really, because Feltman's coming in, who will also be excellent wherever he plays in that back four, um, which is 
you don't expect that for center halves, right? Like whenever we play a team and they've got like two center halves injured or whatever, but if they've got Colwell and Webster injured, we feel pretty confident having development slot in. Not many other teams in the Premier League feel that confident about slotting in a fourth or fifth choice center back. Um, far from it. And in our podcast, we all say we need to target that one because he's going to be shocking. Um, which really goes to show how good that depth is. Um, anyone else on the list for the first 11? Not that I can think of, no. Not All for right, me. Cool. So I suspect let's go with let's go with the expendables and get rids here then, because pretty much everybody else is gonna slot into the the Europa group slash depth group. Um, and we can kind of just focus on the rest of those as a whole, pick out players we want to talk about instead of spending the next 40 minutes going through random people like Adam Alana. Um, so who have you got on your just don't really care list? Um, if they leave, it's like, all right, cool. Have a good one. Uh, Robert Sanchez. Yeah. I don't really have anything more to say. Robert Sanchez is <laughs> a shitty attitude. Get rid. Right. Yeah, that's, that's just about the attitude, isn't it? It's not about his actual play. I think he's a good goalkeeper. I mean, he's just throwing his toys out of the pram. I like the part where you used to come out and claim the ball and just flap at it. That was my favourite part. <laughs> <laughs> Great shot stopper. Yeah. What's he? Still, he isn't that great. Reasonable. That's one of the most interesting things I saw going through all this stuff is that Steele and Sanchez are insane at shot stopping uh, and they're bang average by Premier League standards. Both of them very average. Maybe it's just his, his frame and his reach that makes you think that. Um, I don't want to, you know, obviously the stats are what they are, but um, let's let's not be revisionist. Robert Sanchez for a period of time was a fantastic keeper for us. Um, but he was a fantastic keeper at Potter's Potter's team, not not under Zerbi's team. Yes, I've got Van Hecker on my list. Yeah, Potney is two for that. We're going to get absolute abuse for this. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I know it just we we just talked about the centre half depth and being comfortable in that, and and we didn't mention him once. I don't think about him once. Um, he's sort of if you're going to be, and let's say. We've, we're including Colwell in this conversation because we're talking about the season. You're talking if everyone's fit, he's a, probably your fifth choice centre back, and I, I don't, I wouldn't be too bothered really. And I'm including Veltman as number four. So, um, like, if he's your fifth choice centre back and he can't play any other role in terms of versatility in this team, I, I don't see it. So, and long gone are the days of playing a back three, right? Where fifth choice centre back yeah. ain't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not it's not so great when you're playing a back two, uh, because you are then in serious trouble. Um I mean I think it's fair, right? I don't think he's gonna want to go on loan again. I think he's gonna want a permanent move. Uh very Leo Ostergaardi at this point in his career, isn't he? He wants he's gonna want to move on if he can't be guaranteed a decent amount of football. Um and I'm not sure we can. Uh but he did play really well, didn't he? Like that last game and a half. Uh, he had a really rough first half, but actually after that, played pretty well for the rest of the season. Um, I wasn't sure if that would have changed your mind at all. He's a good player, but I think just a, a top championship level defender. And I think that's where he would get the time. Yeah. 
yeah. I, I know that there's going to be people talking about how, oh, you know, Harlan didn't score and what a great job. I, I've not, but th- th- this is coming from the podcast that would have benched Pascal Gross and uh, Solid March last year. So, <laughs> yeah, what do we know? But yeah, I, I don't, I haven't seen it properly with Van Hecker. Um, you know, though, I, I'm this close, and this isn't particularly good for people that are listening. Uh, to, to adding Adam Webster to that list because maybe this was just a very, very, very tricky season for him. But I don't know if he is the perfect fit for this Deserby system, which relies on strengths that I think are probably in his column of average and weaknesses. And his strengths are about what we saw the previous couple of seasons, moving the ball forward um, being positionally aware, all those kind of good things. That, uh, and he's he's not asked to do that anymore. Injuries have got the better of him this year as well. Um, he's now obviously firmly in the frame of backup with, with Colwell. Now, if we don't sign Colwell, are you happy with Adam Webster being the pairing for the whole rest of uh, the whole of next season with, with the European competition involved? Because I'm not. So I think he's he is depth. But it's the same for me with Tarek Lamptey. Can you rely upon that depth? And and that brings up, I'll, I'll segue on to that, which is, I think Tarek Lamptey is, is in this list for me. Lamptey is in this list for me too. Um, I, I hate saying it, but like it feels like one injury is, is rough, right? But I think he is shown at this point that this league is too much for his body. Um, and you are seeing it happen time and time again. And I'm going to add a caveat to that because I think Lamptey at any level of depth is good because of what he brings when he does play. Even when he got asked to play left back, when he did play that left back role for like four games, he was excellent there. Uh, But if you have teams in Portugal willing to spend £15 million on him, then I think it's an absolute no-brainer because that's that's in my head too. Like we clearly have numerous teams randomly in Portugal of all places, which is nice because he's not going to a Premier League team, which also helps. But if you have a market for this guy, like I would hate to see him go, but I have the same reservations as you do. And knowing that he has people interested in him, it feels like it would be silly not to listen to those conversations at least. I I think his injury record is obviously an issue as well. I think there's the validity of uh, having reliable depth, right? And I think Web- Webster's Webster's in depth for me. I don't think he's expendable. I think I think he stays, but I think he's going to be more of a backup, more of a depth sort of player. But I think for Lamptey, he's just the injuries are too much. Uh, and I think if we're able to get a decent fee for him and and not to another Premier League team because he is dangerous, um, then that's that's where my head would be too. Um, I've got another potential. Uh, Ayari. I think he should be on loan. I, I think he's... I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get rid of him. Uh, the, <laughs> it's very clear that he's obviously very raw and there's a player there. I think he's around at the moment purely because we just had just no depth. Um, obviously signed in January. I think he needs to go out. 
um, and you know go on the path where some of these other guys that we've 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 sent off to do their pilgrimage elsewhere. Um, uh, yeah, that's just the. I I agree with you. Um, I didn't. We didn't have a lone army option, uh, but I think he's a really good candidate. As basically being the only one on this list that I think would be willing to and should be on it. Uh, because, like I said, I, I don't think Lamptey or Van Hecker would be willing to go on loan. They would want a permanent move, uh, unless it was like a permanent with a, with option to buy, right? Like you get in a lot of European teams these days. Um, that wouldn't shock me. Uh, but yeah, I think for the most part, I think you're right. Um, and we will talk in like two months' time about players that are coming back from our loan army uh, because I don't want to go too much into those players until we know whether they're saying or going or not. Um, but we have Ari already with a ton more experience and a player that I'm really excited to see under De Zerbi and as Alzate. So I would just be intrigued to see what he brings to the table. Um, in the same way that Solly March was revolutionized, the technical attributes of Alzate were always excellent. I'm intrigued to see what he does when he comes back from his pilgrimage to the Farmers League, as he said. Um, uh, so we're not forgetting about Adingra, by the way, as well. Obviously, we can't put exactly because he's in, he. I'd lob him in depth as well because I'm I'm very excited about his potential next year. Uh, yeah, I think for him, like, I don't think there's a chance in hell he's going anywhere again either. I think he's no, definitely no, no. have to stay. Uh, but I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and like start talking about all of them and hoping, and then like half of them actually do just piss off because Deserby doesn't want them. Um, in the same way that Sanchez was a shocker, right? I don't want to like waste 10 minutes talking about a dinger and like he comes back in and he like deserve he just goes on a 10 minute rant about how shit he is into the press and the, <laughs> like and see so how selfish he is That's well you make a, you do make a good point though because we have been rumored as of arsenal with is it the galatasaray right back um yes. but don't where, to pronounce his name yeah i don't but wasn't there rumors of us trying to like package abdulasima off as well as part of that. So yeah, we, we might never see some of these guys again. Um, yeah. Um, I Sasha feel like we'll Bowie? Have... Is that right? Bowie? Sasha Bowie? Possibly. Oh, I don't know. Um, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of them uh, to cover uh, in the next month or two of players coming in and then going straight back out because I think Deserby will know pretty quickly from some of these guys. Um, so expendables, we've got Sanchez, Van Hecker and Lamptey on the list. I agree with you. Craig, I don't think there's any way we can put Webster on there yet. I would be I would be gutted if Webster and Colwell left and didn't come back. Um I think we need if especially if we're happy to let Van Hecker go. Um I think that's a problem. Uh so in the squad depth then we've got Webster. Well hold up. Uh, hold you've up. You've got more. The Mr. Bean them. one where he just keeps bringing out pets like, yeah. like <laughs> More what? and more players Adam wants to get rid of. Like, just uh, no piss off, gone. <laughs> well, hey, look, bin. this is a side now. With with uh, we, <laughs> this side is now has a very very different um set of goals for next year. So there's there has to be turnover because the players that have served you well to survive in the Premier League, not the same players necessarily to 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 go on a mission to 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 inevitably try and face Sevilla in the final of the, <laughs> the Europa League. Um. I don't have I don't have a definite here, but I have two question marks. Two, two, Jakob Moda, and Dennis and Dev. 
Oh, well, I hadn't even thought about Bermuda, to be fair. Where are right, they is at? Is he even on, on your list? Lists? He's not on my list, no. I forgot about him as well. Uh, yeah, he's such an unknown to me at this point as to when he's going to be back, what he's going to look like. like. I didn't even think about him. So you've got the floor for Jakob Moda. Oh, God. Uh, Moda on the dance floor. Yeah, uh, I. it's all, it's all going to just be depending on how he comes back from that injury because there was a player there. We, we, was, this guy was starting for Poland after his performances for 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 Brighton. It looked fairly good, like playing in Lewandowski, um, and he could. We played him at left back at parts. We played him defensive midfielder. We played him central midfielder, um, but that was a big double injury that he got. Um, and there's a, I think there's a very big chance there that that that's a guy that they just go. You know, shades of why am I blanking on the name of the awesome left winger that we had that never came back from his injury properly and just petered his career out? Is um, Thank you very boy. much. Yeah, uh, I hope it's not a Skiedo situation. But um, and then with Dennis Indav, look, let's 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 all be honest. This entire fan base was calling for him to be probably sent out on loan in January. Uh, or just sold and for us to bring in funds. Now, we've seen a player in there a little bit towards the end of the season, but we've also seen a bit of a bad player in instances as well, where it just looks like he's got a heavy touch. He looks sluggish. He doesn't finish clear-cut chances. I do think he's. I do think he fits in the depth area for me, but I could also entertain the idea that maybe he's just not good enough for this football team. I just don't seem we, think we've seen enough yet from him. I think he's going to be the biggest candidate of make or break his entire career with us in this preseason. Yeah, yeah. I really do, especially with Pedro coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we we obviously have already categorised Ferguson as sort of first, and I would put Welbeck at a second anyway. So he's he's already third fiddle, right? So yeah, that that preseason is going to determine whether he stays or goes. Yeah, Mikey in the chat, uh, Webster gets injured a lot and takes a while to get back up to speed. That's something we talk about every time he's coming back from injury, but people who are probably sat there, like, hands in the air, like, fuming at, like, not being too bothered if Webster left, um, that is something that is worth bringing up. There's a lot of games coming thick and fast. We can't afford for you to spend three games to get back up to speed when those games are Liverpool, Bayer, Leverkusen, and Manchester City. Like, we just don't have that option anymore. Like, we have to be fighting on all fronts um and we need people a bit more reliable than that uh mikey as well asking if i'm doing my rumor spreadsheet again uh no not even for money this year mikey <laughs> um it is it is transfer twitter is one of the most toxic horrible areas of football twitter there is um and it was a depressing experience sorting through albion rumors uh every single day um and I could think of probably nothing worse uh, to spend my time on. Um, so, no, I will not be going through the Rima spreadsheet again. Um, and that's, yeah, that is nipped in the bud. Mikey, if you would like to do it, you are more than welcome to take the mantle and come on the show and talk about it. Once the window closes, we'd love to have you. Max, if you're listening to the show, we'd also love to have you on the kickoff show next season to talk about some FPL tips considering you're like basically like one of the best FPL. How much to just manage yeah. my team? Yeah. I'm just going to sh- just shadow his, his transfers. I'm just going to do the same damn thing. 
Uh, <laughs> hey, last thing on Webster. Would you rather have the Adam Webster that's coming, like trying to get up to speed? Maybe he's been a, he's been injured and he's you know ramping himself back up again, or a fully fit Van Hecker starting uh, starting against Lewis Dunk against next two. I think I still have Webster. Same. Because I think I'd have Van Hecker because there was a few games where we had Webster and he was an utter liability. Uh, I'm trying to think back to some of the ones where he just like made a few mistakes that could have completely changed the game. And I don't even rate Van Hecker as we've discussed. But that's the thing. But how often are you going to get 100% Webster? 100% Webster is a hell of a player. But how often is it 50% Webster? I don't know. We haven't brought up Aaron Connolly. Surely he's on the first 11, huh? He's lone army, so we're not mm. talking about him. Uh, God willing, he, we will never have to talk about him. Um, <laughs> Irish centre-forward pairing, surely. This is this uh, has been the history in the making right here. He will be gone um, with with any any option, if we can. <laughs> if we can. Um, so I think we can probably agree uh, that we've got uh, Sanchez, Van Hecker, Lamptey on the expendable list. Um in terms of definite current players that are absolutely fit. Uh, squad depth-wise, so, okay, the four pillars, Estepinion, Dunk, Caicedo, and Gross. First 11 players that you want to see playing, McAllister, Mitsoma, Solly March, Levi Colwell, Ferguson, Steele, Veltman, and Veltman is on that list as well. Uh, squad depth, we've got Webster, Welbeck, uh, Lalana, Sarmiento, Undav, Gilmore, Bonanote, and... Ayari with an asterisk, because I think we all agree he should be the new level of the lone army. Uh, and then expendables, Sanchez, Van Hecker, Lamptey. Um, I'm going to be negative again. Two of your, One of your four pillows is definitely gone. At least, so of this list, you've got Caicedo is going to be gone. That's one of your pillows gone. First 11, you've got McAllister. He's definitely gone. Levi Colwell, he's probably gone. Uh, it's worrying looking at this list uh, as to how much depth we need. Um, and I think we're going to have a really long and possibly really exciting conversation about the return in Lone Army this year, uh, because I think that there are so many spots up for grabs with this group of players that are coming back that they should be coming back thrilled with the opportunity that could be presented to them. To try and put it on a positive note, I think that the level of opportunity in this squad for those people coming back, like you said, you're a Dingers, Alzate, Sima, whoever else. Like the sky is the limit for some of these kids. Like it is unbelievable the opportunity they're going to have. Yeah, I we didn't mention the fact that by development, I know there's with the contract stuff I've been talking about development, but Van Hecker's contract is up in in June as yep. well. So I think he probably he probably is on his way out isn't he but we also I, I agree like obviously i think we all know that there's these big 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 departures um jao pedro is done now you do not sign your record ever transfer and he does not slot into your first 11 so there's one replacement for the first 11 group milner is I don't know if you could get more quintessential depth European signing than James Milner. Um, and then that's like an unknown quantity because he was this meant to be this up and coming, incredible next best thing a few years ago. 
and it sort of petered out. Now, if anyone can bring that player out, it's Mr. Deserby. So who knows what what Dahoud is going to be for us? But as you say, yeah, there's going to be a lot of um, there's going to be a lot of discussions and incomings. I think even the the, uh, the rather um, vilified Fabrizio Romano has talked about the fact that this is not the end of Brighton's quest for midfielders. Massive rumours about centre backs. Massive rumours about right backs. I would not be shocked if we maybe brought in another winger as well. Um, and let's not forget, these players aren't leaving for nothing. We still had that all that money from last last year. A lot of that. Remember, think about all the Kukure money and everything that we talked about before, and the Potter money and the, the Sumer money. If you possibly get rid of Lamptey, Caicedo is going to go for a fortune. He just signed a new contract. So if he goes, I would be stunned if it was less than 75, 80 million. Stunned. And then you're looking at anywhere between what? I don't know. Well, the numbers quoted 50, 65 from McAllister. That's a lot of players that you could potentially bring in. Like, I don't think it's going to be a Nottingham Forest based transfer window, but it's going to be somewhere in between their normal Brighton transfer window and a Nottingham Forest transfer window, in my opinion. Craig, is the double pivot the most important thing to add, to look at this year, even with Dahoud and Milner coming in? So if you consider those in and you consider Caicedo and Mac gone, your midfield options for the pivot, right, are going to be Gross. Gross uh, and Gilmore. Gross, Gilmore, Lalana, because he played in that deeper role a couple yeah. of times. Uh, Milner and Dahoud. We. Uh, Obviously, we're getting rid of Ayari probably on loan. So, like, that's mm. your five currently available to fight for that double pivot in the shadow yeah. of Alexis and Kaiseki. I don't, yeah, I don't want to think about it. So, just when we're talking about combative box to box midfielders, right? You had the Basuma, you got a Kaiseido. We need to bring someone of that ilk in. Um, and I think that needs to be sort of the priority along with a right back for me is replacing Kaiseido. And it is impossible. I think we can all agree on that, that you, you can't, there's not a like for like there, but we need someone combative. Dahoud is not that. Dahoud's a very technical player and he, he's he's very good and he's very controlling, but he's not combative or explosive in that way. We need someone like that if we're going to keep playing the way that we're playing. Um, Gross fits in that pivot perfectly. Jao Pedro at the 10 replaces McAllister in that sort of up roll up front if it needs to you can swap the three attacking midfielders through left right center if you like but it's that it's that combative midfielder that we need to find um and that's where i'm most concerned i'm, I'm absolutely terrified uh because we spoke about this with basuma leaving and we all said we've got kaisado backup and we said then that we currently have nobody to replace him and we are now saying <laughs> on the cusp of a European campaign where depth and rotation is more important than ever, we have no option. We have no secondary option for what Moises Caicedo brings. You're, like you say, you're deep line midfielder, right? You've got three, Gross, Dahoud, and uh, Gilmore. You could probably chop and change between all three of those, which is mad. We're saying that both of us. Well, Lalana's played there. there as well, right? And Lalana as well, but... He's so injury prone, like he's no better than Lamptey, really. In terms well, Lalana and Milner are one player in my mind. <laughs> just ex old Liverpool player that can basically, if one's injured, the other one just plays. <laughs> <laughs> They're never in the same room together. Um, no. But for me, like you've got players in that deep line role. You've got Moda, you've got uh, 
uh, Alzate as well. Like you've got players that are coming back in different areas of the club that like can provide options to. We've got no one a central defensive like in that way, and I haven't heard a single name uttered about that either. Like does. I think it was like Haidara or someone that was at some point talked about, but, and I know this is Adam's favorite part. If you could think of any players out there, like fantasy signing wise, like, do you have anything, anything on the map whatsoever? We all know that Star Lizard probably has 86 of them that we've never heard of. That are like literal regens. Like they don't exist right now in real life. Like they're just going to formulate them from a 3d printer. But do you have anyone out there that you've, had any kind of eyes on in any league including the prem that you think that's at least a start Sergio Busquets available isn't he um there are think about some of the players of the teams that have gone down and there's some intrigue there for me got uh obviously Leicester Southampton a certain player at Southampton that sort of stands out plays that role um Doubt we've got anywhere near the beans to go after him. Um, as speaking of, I, I'm shocked you've not bought, brought up Paul Onoachu. This is finally the chance, Josh. We can finally bring him in. He's over. It's, it's, it's over now. Over. The, the, He's cancelled. The love affair is gone. He's been um, cancelled. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it, to be fair, I'm not going to be too harsh on him given what he had to go into. Um, but yeah, he's not what we need anymore. Whereas under Potter. And Hewton, he would have been at least probably first team, first striker in the team sheet for both of them. Um, he's not getting in this team anymore. Who have you got in that list? At, uh, who have you got on your list from Southampton that plays a Caicedo type role? Well, not really Caicedo type role, but I would board prowls in this team, sat in the centre of the okay. park, um, would play the Mac role perfectly. Yeah. I was, I was thinking of Lavia like you, Josh. I think, like, well, I don't know if you were, but Romeo Lavia, the, the, the Southampton team, I think he's going to move. And I think he's more of that. We didn't see it against us. I, I thought he was pretty poor, but I think he obviously left City and has done really well. I think there'll be a few Prem teams looking at him and he's in that CDM role that would fit a lot nicer than Ward Prowse, maybe. Uh, Arctic Tempest brought up Kamada at Frankfurt. I'm pretty sure he's signing with AC Milan in like mm. immediately. Yeah, um, I think I saw the exact same thing, actually. I, I, people are going to hate this, but I swear I heard Conor Gallagher's name thrown around. Again, not the right exact type of player, and I can't imagine that would be a particularly popular move, but um, I've heard that. We're, we're priced out of the T. Lemons game, probably from Leicester. It's another guy that could probably play a really nice role there. We're, we're invariably going to end up... I'll tell you, if we're doing fantasy stuff, this is going to be a weird one because it doesn't feel like a fantasy signing, um, but maybe it is in the realm of plausibility. I would love Abdullah Ducore from Everton. I would love him. Uh, I've always rated him, uh, and I think he would be a fantastic signing. Interesting. Um, just to go back to Southampton first, the only one that really stood out to me, because I think Paul Prowse is not possible for us either, I agree with you. I think he's probably going to go to like a top six traditional Super League six side and sit on the bench and be very happy there with a lot of money and come in and do great job whenever he's asked to play. But I don't think he's he's like basically the same as Calvin Phillips. Like he's gonna go somewhere, not play much and be great uh, and be very happy. Livramento was my choice if I'm gonna if especially if we are offloading Lamptey. Um I think we could get him quite cheap. 
And isn't he a Chelsea he, player? Am I making that up? No, he's a Southampton player. Uh, they bought him off of them. Uh, I think that he would be an excellent option um, to see what he's got. Oh, they've got a buyback of 25 mil. That's what it is. So just buy it before they can buy it back. Yeah. I see. Uh, he, he looked really impressive before he got injured, didn't he? Really? Yeah. He, must, he was on our radar before, wasn't he? Like when, when he did go to Southampton instead. We refused the buyback. Mm. That was that was oh, absolutely a go. thing. Yeah. That was absolutely a thing. That's a really good um, shot. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's a, he was a hell of a player. I've, I've got one more on the list as well for the, the pivot role. And I think this is... Uh, this is maybe a nice balance between fantasy and reality. Um, Tyler Adams from Leeds. He's on my list too. He's big mm. on my list. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I could see I think that. he could step in. I think he could step in for Caicedo with a good preseason too. Stunning at the World Cup. Yeah. I yeah. do wonder. I do, I do worry he may well be bigger fish, may well be looking at him though. Um, we're a big fish now we're a yeah. medium to large size fish but i worry about the whole oh we need to get in a replacement for casemiro when he inevitably gets eight red cards this season uh and they spend that money on on tyler adams um to manchester united for example or a certain arsenal midfielder goes to prison because he's an absolute criminal um <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. they replace him with tyler adams um I, like that, they're the worries that I have. Um, I don't think City will be interested. I certainly don't think Liverpool would be interested. Um, but I do think there are teams in that Super League six that would be willing to spend a lot more money than we would on him. Um, but I, I, he was on my list, though, Adam. I really like him. Um, he is. He would be a phenomenal player um, under a deserving side. Uh, surprised you didn't have James Madison on the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I would love James Madison. <laughs> uh, I don't think we can possibly. Well, again, I think we. I think we're going to fool everyone at this point. That's the funny part. Uh, uh, we can. And look, this is a, this is a different proposition uh, as a, as a team now. This is not when a p- agent goes to a player and says. You've got an opportunity to go and join Brighton. They're like, what club is that? Um, but there's plenty of players out there who play for these small nations or are younger that might not have even heard of Brighton. Uh, and it was like, oh, okay, well, Premier, you'll be in the Premier League. Don't worry. Then you can get your move to Man- Manchester United in the future. Now we are on the we are on the map. After this season, the plaudits that have come in for the style of play and everything that Deserby's done, the fact that we are now in the, the, the second European Cup competition, this is now a destination. And I, I, honestly, like I know I used to hate the fantasy idea of like, oh, we can sign so-and-so, so-and-so. But this is like, we're, we're in a spot here where you can entertain those things now. You've got deep pockets and you are a, a great place to come and join. And I think this is, I think Brighton is the perfect level for Tyler Adams because I think he'd start every game and I think he'd be a perfect asset and a perfect fit for this group. I think if he went somewhere else, he's a backup um, for, for a bigger side, any bigger side, he's a backup. Um, and look, he's American, surely playing at the American Express community stadium it's a no, branding opportunities just all over the place 
it does really. feel like a Paul Barber special, doesn't it? US preseason. Yeah, unveil, unveil him at the game at MetLife that I'm going to. Perfect. That's what I want in front of Dan Ashworth as we play Newcastle. That's that's yeah. I'm down for that. Craig, any other position? The double pivot is so crucial. Uh, and right back, I think we've touched on many a time. And I think, I think if you're looking at it from a fan perspective, I think even at the final whistle against Villa and everybody was so happy to be going to Europe. And if there was ever a whisper of the transfer window, pretty much the first thing out of everybody's words, mouth was right back. We need a right back. So I think that's a fair one. Uh, do you have any other positions that you would like to see filled uh, or you or you think need need attention to detail um, outside uh, of those two options? Yeah, the goalkeeper. Um, I think Steele is fantastic and we've, we've seen what he brings and just his comfort on the ball and bits and pieces. But if Sanchez is going out, um, you've got Sherpin coming back in, but is he really good enough? Uh, you've got a lot of young keepers out on loan that will be coming back. I'm sure they'll probably be going out again. Um, it depends. The only one probably Rushworth to see if he's able to do that job. But I would like to see another keeper come in. Um, I think we, we spoke about how good Steele is, but he's also, you know, we said average shot stopping, right? His main his main benefit is just being comfortable on the ball. Um, if we can get an upgrade in that keeper position, I'd be very happy. Um, then the only one is, yeah, the Colwell, just like we, we saw in the chat. Um, if we don't get Colwell back, we need a centre-back. Um, we we need a someone that will do a similar role in that respect and and would need it. Um, I agree with Adam on the Webster front in that you know is he going to be a European level centre back next to Dunk? Um, I would have my reservations about that. So um, I definitely want to see a centre back come in as well. I think Rushworth will be going to a Championship team on loan, uh, probably a very good one. Yeah, I think so. It, I mean, he's, he's done League 2, League 1 now, hasn't he? So it just it makes sense. I just don't know if he's going to jump that gap with the Zerbi or not, but we'll, we'll see. He might. No, you're right. Like He might. I, th- I think I think Sherpin is going to be given that opportunity this preseason more than any other keeper of, like, can you bridge the gap? If you can't, he's probably going to leave without ever playing a Premier League game for us, is my take on Sherpin. I think this is it for him. Um I agree on goalie though. I, like, I, I mean, I wouldn't be sad if we went out and spent a decent amount of money on a first choice goalie either. Um, I know there's been a lot of rumours about Kelleher as well, uh, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't know much about him. Um, people seem excited by him, but I don't know much about. I don't watch a lot of football like regularly enough. Like in terms of, I watch Brighton every single week. And then I'll watch like match of the day or like when I was over in the US, I would like have like a random game on Peacock, but like I don't watch enough of these you like don't random backup goalies. You deeply follow know. Kelleher's career? No, no. Uh, and I'm really quite stunned <laughs> how many I feel like do um, because the backup trajectory goalkeeper of for Liverpool is not something that's ever really popped into my brain. Um, but it feels like it has for a lot of other people. Uh but Colwell is a massive one as well, right? Like if we don't land Colwell, there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, like Deserby said himself, like left-footed centre-halves that are that good on the ball do not grow on trees. Uh, they're going to be very difficult to find. Um, do uh, you think it's a safe guess to say that the transfer record may well be broken at least one more time this summer? 
I think a few times. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, we have we have a, such a shockingly low compa- like transfer record compared to the people the teams that we're going to be now competing against, right? So you're saying 30 million is sort of breaking that ceiling. I I can easily see it. You're selling Caicedo for 80, you're selling McAllister for 65. Like you're telling us our transfer record is half of what we got for you know, three of our players in the last two years, it I feel like with the depth and the bits and pieces we need to do now, it has to be broken. Um, James in the chat has brought up the you know, options at centre-back if we don't get Cole Warren, the Ukrainian centre-back. Uh, I'm, I'm quoting Charlie Parker-Turner here because we had Matt Vienko on was was rumoured last window, well, not last window, it was when Deserby came on board, basically. Um, Shakhtar player that I think he would love to have. I th- I'm, supposedly, we had a few bids rejected there. Shakhtar, fa- fairly tricky to negotiate with at the best of times. And also another name that seems to have been thrown out is Calvin Bassey. He went over to Ajax and did not apparently do particularly well this year. Um, I, don't, I do not see that as a fit. I do not see that at all. Uh, and I've not watched a single minute of Matt Fienko's career. Um, so I have no idea there. But look, I think there's this team doesn't just lob out thirty million pound bids for nineteen year old centre backs. I think there is a a slight air of maybe desperation is the wrong word, but I think this club has got centre back marked as the most alarming position of need um, because we saw what happened towards the. They do not want to start Van Hecker against Manchester City at the end of the season again this year especially now you've got a whole other additional roster of games that are going to happen on Thursday nights um, and they uh, uh, and look, I hate to say it but Lewis Dunk isn't getting any younger there's there's some Adam Webster's not a young guy anymore I would love to see a scenario unfold that if Caicedo does go it is to Chelsea and we can factor Colwell into that deal somehow um, but as much as I'd hate to see Caicedo leave it feels like there's inevitability um, Liverpool are going to sign Mac, and that puts Caicedo on the list of who? Arsenal, uh, Man United, Everyone. and Chelsea. Everyone, yeah. every yeah. big Super League Six team, every probably every international based team too, yeah. because there he would fit into Barcelona, he would fit into Madrid, he would fit into Bayern. He would. Fit, I don't think many of these could afford him. Well, Madrid, uh, Barcelona definitely can't. But, but and and Madrid signed <laughs> Bellingham for an ungodly fee, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, and Bayern have got some Kimmich, Musiala. They got a bunch of players, right? So, but yeah, you're, you're, I, I agree with you. I mean, the fact is now Dortmund are going to have a Bellingham-sized hole in their team um, with Bellingham yeah. money, with a with a boatload. Yeah, give us some of that money. We'll take it. We'll take that. Uh, it doesn't. It's not Dortmund's style though to buy a player for that amount of money. Um, no, it's not. It's going to be. It'll be a Prem signing. I feel like it's mental that we're talking about these teams on a Brighton podcast, isn't it? Yeah, it's mental when you think we'll be playing them. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's a it's still a pinch me moment. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Looks like we're linked to a Japanese right back as well. There's been a lot of rumours of us linking ourselves to more Japanese players. I think there is a bit of a smoke and fire with that. I think we are possibly looking at looking into that market more than once after this Mitoima absolute success. Um, and we were looking at, I think it was like Haraguchi as well from Germany before Mitoma even came in. We definitely have eyes over in Asia, don't we? Like, we've, I know we have eyes everywhere, but like 
there seems to be a genuine like look in there. Um, I feel like we definitely have some proper eyes on that area of the of the. Uh, I want us to sign that Japanese striker, uh, Kazuyoshi Miura, who is still playing at fifty six. Uh, let's get him in. Uh, like as a coach and a player, he, he's literally played three games in Portugal this year. He's fifty six. I mean, I genuinely don't know if I'll be able to walk at fifty six. This guy's trotted around a football pitch, absolutely nuts. Just have him talk down to Milner. <laughs> He's, he scored. He scored fifty-five goals for Japan in eighty-nine appearances, and he hasn't played for them for twenty-three years. <laughs> there are people listening to this podcast that were not a, a twinkle in their father's eyes while this game was banging them in for Japan. This guy was banging them in for Japan between nineteen ninety and two thousand. I don't know what well, I've gone off on this tangent, but I cannot believe this this play. Oh, oh that's the point. I feel like all the Japanese player rumours, I think it's probably just bloody lazy journalism. I said, oh, well, they got Matoma. He's good. Uh, who's a good Japanese player? Let's let's get some clicks for that. I'm sure they'll do the same with some Ecuadorians. Uh, who's good from Ecuador? They'll, they'll bring them on. I think it, it might be somewhere in the middle, though, right? You, you've got this sort of South American group, right? You've got sort of Matoma bringing someone in from his sort of cultural, maybe his... his uh, his nation or you know even if it's a friend or something culturally it's just a fit like people are going to be happier if they have people of similar cultures or nationalities around them so i don't know if that's mm. something i again that that's just lazy from my part right but you, you have a few ecuadorians together they seem to be happier outside of football as well as in football um so having similar people around you tends to work I mean, and CISO and Mac are very close to them as well. Like, it really is yeah. like a whole thing. Um, mm. And likewise, for, I mean, we've done this under Tony Bloom for a long time now. Like, we had that entire Spanish contingent, right? Like, back in the day of, like, your Calderons. I mean, it was a big reason why Vicente even looked at us, uh, was that community that we'd built. Like, Andrea Orlandi, Bruno, uh, Calderon. Like, you've got... <laughs> You've got a lot of like some really good players there. Uh, David Lopez was unbelievable. Like we we got a really talented group of players together that were all very clearly um, that sort of group. So I think you're right. Like I think it's a bit of bit of both. Um, all right. Well, we're an hour and thirty five minutes in. Uh, I think we've covered just about everything we need to. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to cover before we wrap up the wrap up? Um, well, I mean, it's just, well, it's hard to put a cherry on top of this season, really, isn't it? It's doing a wrap up for this season almost seems like a sort of insult to the season, as silly as that sounds. Like, it's just, I mean, when people say things are historic, it is overused now, isn't it? Like, it's, this was historic. This was the greatest thing ever. This is, well, there's all this recency bias, but in this particular instance, you're completely uh within your rights to to use that phrasing um just unprecedented and i i I think this is the most exciting june and july and august that you have ever had and may ever have as a brighton fan and i know we said this on a previous podcast but there's there's a chance there's some regression here. We get rid of some players and things that people have found desert be out a little bit and we finish 10th, 12th, 15th next season. That's okay. Like as long as we're in this for the long run, that's all right. But this moment might never come again. And it's, 
it's important to really embrace it. This is going to be a really, really, really fun few months. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. It's just a, an outrageous season. Yeah, and uh, we've got such an exciting summer. Like, we really do. Like, I know we've got the transfer window open, and we are going to be talking about players that we've never dreamed of talking about before this. Uh, I mean, spending £30 million on Chao Pedro is already like exciting, even if he has come from the championship. His quality is so much higher than where he was. Um, we've got a US preseason tour that has been four years in the making. Uh, we've like, which is mad enough as it is like that level of like marketing that we're at where we're like just bouncing over to the States because why not? Um, even the dog's excited about it. The cat's going off as well. Yeah. (laughs) When, so when, when you started this podcast, yes. What was the situation? Could you ever dreamed of, of, of basically this? I'm sure you could have dreamed, but let's, let's put it in reality perspective. Yeah. I mean, if we, so I want to make a point of recording on August 7th this year, right before the season starts, because that's a five-year anniversary of the pod. Um, so we were under Hewton. It was his last season that I did it in, um, I think. And, uh, yeah, I mean, really, like, it was always, like, we've always just talked about safety first, right? Like, what points do you reckon will be enough? 38 is almost always guaranteed. So what do we? where do we get the 38 points from? What do we do? Who do we look at to like try and bring in from like the championship or some like really obscure area that no one's ever heard of because no one else is going to be interested? Like, yeah, I mean, like people tweet and talk about the fact that, like, you know, like there's no way that like if you'd have told 13 year old me and I'm the same way, like if you'd have told me going to the Wid Dean that like this would be the future at 33, like I'd have told you you're absolutely mental. Um, but it is mad to think that even five years ago when I started this podcast that I would have said, well, how do you work that trajectory out that quick? Uh, if you tell me in 10 years, I have the faith in Tony to make that happen. If you tell me in five years, we're going to be in the Europa League and basically second to only Manchester City in almost every positive metric in football, I would have said, how does that happen? Like, what are you talking about? Um, and if you were to then tell me that it was all thanks to Vladimir Putin, uh, I would be even more stunned. <laughs> you would have probably had to almost, with that with that context, you would have had to have predict that Abramovich decided he was sick of, of, of Southwest London and went to buy Brighton uh, or, or <laughs> other oil money. Because, I mean, let's face it, like Hewton football five years ago and then to what you've just described – I think at the time, anyone of semi-sound mind would have said the club must have been purchased by a nation state or some absolutely obscene foreign billionaire. Because it's not really within the realms of any historical precedent that's been set for most clubs. And sure, there's been, you've got the Leicester stories and these other things, but I mean, it's just manic. It's manic in all the best ways. I think that really wraps it up for us. Uh, usually, uh, there's not many podcasts in the summer uh, because there's not really much need. I know we spoke about this last week as well. Uh, traditionally, even when Brighton are active in the transfer market, they're not really active, are they? They sign three or four players and you don't see three of them because they go immediately out on loan. Um, this summer, I suspect it's going to be a little bit different. 
because we've got the Champions League final coming this weekend. Uh, and then three days later, we have the fixtures released, uh, which will be worth keeping a very close eye on uh, when you know what games are going to coincide with that European campaign. Um, we've then got, <clears throat> what, three, four weeks gap before you've got three weeks basically of calm and then you've got preseason us preseason tour and whatever else is going to happen after that so you've probably got three weeks where the transfer rumors are going to be mental in those three weeks if not before you're going to see McAllister go you're probably going to see Caicedo go i guarantee you're going to see something mental like a lot of money bid for one of estepinion or mitoma or someone you don't expect that we will reject and not care about i don't think they're going to go but I think something's going to happen that's going to scare us a little bit. This stuff is going to be fucking mental. It's going to be bad and great and everything in between, just like this whole season we've just had. So I'm sure that you will be hearing from us throughout this summer because it's going to be a lot to talk about. And we're going to have both of you on the ground at the US state tour, stateside tour. So get your little mini mics ready, boys. Yeah, I need to get that sorted. Uh, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be really good. Looking forward to it. <laughs> It's going to be exciting. Uh, yeah, I've got. I'm, I'm, it may be the next time we talk is, is an <coughs> oxymoronic emergency podcast yeah. <laughs> because we've made yeah. some audacious signing. That's yeah, fun. we've sold McAllister and brought in Ward Prowse and Ronaldo on the same week. <laughs> Messi. Oh. God, you imagine seeing those free kicks at the Amex. Oh. Oh, Wolf Prowse, unbelievable. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Anyway. All right, fellas, have a wonderful summer. Enjoy everything that's coming, uh, good, bad, and scary, and anything in between. Uh, because like Adam said, like we may never see it again in our lifetimes. We just don't know. Um, rather enjoy it now and not have to worry about it. So have a good summer. Be safe. Uh, and we'll speak to you whenever the hell we speak to you. Thanks, everyone, for all, all your season listens. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.